Being that we are a medical establishment, we've been talking a lot about Inyani Rafua. So I thought it was a good time to talk about an interesting Shaila that I got a couple of weeks ago. There is a surgeon who has to do surgery. She's scheduled to do a very sensitive surgery on Shiva Asabatamus. And she told me that she has a concern that maybe in doing so, she's not going to be focused enough on the surgery because she's going to be fasting. So she wanted to know, do we need to push off the surgery or am I allowed to eat on Shiva Asabatamus and do the surgery as it is scheduled? Now, as we know, it's really not so simple to schedule surgeries all the time. And when somebody is scheduled for something, it's not so, um, it's not so easy to move it around and to have the hospital accommodate. Would there be an obligation to do so? Now, if it's very easy to do that, then of course. But let's say it's not so easy to do that. I think it's Pashut um, in this situation when we're talking about Shavasa Batamas, which is only a uh, minor fast day, Midurabanan. It's not even the same level as Tishabav, which is also Midurabanan, but Tishabav is more Chamor. When we're talking about Shavasa Batamas, there's no doubt that we would allow a surgeon who is nervous that they're not going to do their job properly or a doctor, we would allow them to eat. And that would be very simple. But it made me think, are there limitations? We know pikuach nefesh is docha kala terakula. We know that pikuach nefesh is the most important value, and therefore we would say you can violate anything for the sake of pikuach nefesh except for avodazara, giliarayos, and shvichas damim. So are there any limitations to that? Would there ever be a situation where we say, you know what, pikuach nefesh is docha kala terakula, but maybe this doesn't really fall into the category of enough of a pikuach nefesh to allow it? What does that mean? The Gemara says in Maseches Yuma, not only do we assume pikuach nefesh, docha kala terakula, but we assume even a suffix pikuach nefesh. It's not that someone's going to definitely lose their life. Even if someone might by chance be in danger because of this, we're going to allow you to violate the halacha as well. How far does that go? So the Chasam Sofer writes, the Pischei Tshuva quotes the Chasam Sofer, if you have a situation of echad mine elef alfei alafim, if you have a very unusual case, something very rare that somebody's actually going to die from, and it's so rare that on a regular day of the week, you wouldn't be worried about it. You wouldn't stay home from work if you had this situation. The example my father always gives when he talks about this in Shear is, let's say you have somebody who has an ingrown toenail. Now, it's not a good example because if you're a, what is it, a diabetic, maybe it is very dangerous. I'm not talking about someone who has a specific scenario. But an average person who doesn't have any underlying condition, who has an ingrown toenail, you woke up in the morning, on a Wednesday morning, you wouldn't stay home from work. You would figure out when to take care of it. You would go to work anyway. So now, oh, happens to be Shabbos morning, I'm home. I'm not going to work anyway, so let me go to the hospital. It doesn't work that way. Says the Chassam Sofer, what's the likelihood that that ingrown toenail is going to be something that's going to actually be life-threatening? That's not, that's not something that would allow us. Now, so of course, if it's a very extreme example, we wouldn't say you're allowed to violate. What about if it's somewhere in the middle? There's a major gray area there in the middle. So here's the Shaila. Rabbi Tzal Zolti was the Rav in Yerushalayim. And he had a very fascinating shadow. There was a doctor who was supposed to do a surgery, and the doctor told him that he always needs to focus very much when he's doing a surgery. How does he gain a focus? How does he calm himself down? He smokes a cigarette. So he asked Rav Jolti, when I have a surgery that I need to do on Shabbos, can I leave the room for a couple of minutes? Obviously, he's not going to do it in the room. Can I leave the room for a few minutes? Can I smoke a few cigarettes, calm myself down, and then come back to do the surgery? Because I'm afraid if I don't, maybe I'm not going to do the surgery properly. So Rav Jolti said, that's ridiculous. He said, of course not. We would not allow you to be Michal Shabbos to go smoke your cigarette in order to calm yourself down in order to do the surgery properly. Now, why? Why? It's Bikuach Nefesh. He's concerned he's not going to do the job properly. So the raya that he brought was from a tshuva and the Chassam Sofer. A very fascinating story. Chassam Sofer has a situation where we know when a woman's husband dies without children, she has an obligation to do chalitza with the brother-in-law. 
What happens if the brother-in-law at the time, when his older brother died, and now his wife is left as an almana, what happens if at the time, this young boy is only five years old? So it doesn't make sense to do chalitza at five years old. He's not a bardas. He doesn't even know what's going on. The Gemara says, no, you have to wait until the child is a bar mitzvah. Once the child is a bar mitzvah, then you're going to have the ability to do a chalitza, and then she can go and get remarried. But what that means is, from the age of five until the age of 13, she's going to be an aguna. She's not allowed to get married. There's an iser de araisa of Yavama Lashuk. Before she gets the chalitza, she's not allowed to marry anyone else. So the Chassam Sofer was asked, maybe we should say the woman is so anguished, she's so pained over the fact that she's going to have to wait all of those years. The brother-in-law now is only five years old. If we're going to have to wait until the brother-in-law turns 13, that's going to be a very long wait. She says, I'm going to take my own life. I'm not interested in waiting along. Do we have to be concerned that maybe she's going to commit suicide in the interim, and maybe therefore we should allow, we should waive the history of Amal Ashuk and allow her to go marry anybody before she has the chalitza. And when he becomes a bar mitzvah, we'll do the chalitza then, when she's already married. Would that, would that work? Retroactively, would that work? Would we allow this? Would we waive the Yisr? That's the Shaila of the Chassam Sefer. The Chassam Sefer says, no question, we wouldn't allow this. We say you have to wait, and we're very sorry, it's a terrible situation, but that's what you need to do. Then they push back at the Chassam Sefer, and the woman comes with a doctor's note. And the doctor wrote her a note. I'm concerned that maybe the woman is going to have such an emotional breakdown, there's a possibility that she's going to take her own life, and therefore he said that we have to be moderate. So that was the shayla that was posed to the Chassam Sofer. Now, they up the ante. Chassam Sofer writes, he has a very hard time accepting this kula. Number one, he says, what does that mean? That a doctor made some kind of assumption that maybe she's going to take her own life? What exactly does that mean? How does he make such an assumption? Now, I would say today, he went to a mental health professional and they did a some kind of assessment to see where she's up to and to see what the projection is, and that's what they're basing it on. But the Chassam Sofer says, besides for that, the beginning of the Tshuvi discusses how much Nehemanus does a doctor have. If a doctor is not telling us what's happening right now, but he's making a projection into the future, how much validity does that have in Halacha? Very interesting Shaila. But then beyond that, he says, so let's say we're going to waive the Yisr, Yivam Alashuk, and we're going to say, you know what, go ahead and get remarried, marry whoever you want, and don't worry about the problem of Chalitza. Says the Chassam Sofer, now she's going to be married to her husband. But now that she's married to her husband, it's all be the Yevet. You're only married to your husband because we're afraid maybe you're going to take your own life. So we waive the Yisr. So says the Chassam Sofer, what happens? In a normal marriage, how often are a husband and wife going to be intimate with each other? Whatever, however many times that's going to be. Says the Chassam Sofer, every time a husband and wife here in this marriage are going to want to have an opportunity to be together, we're going to have to judge. Well, one second, let's see. Does she really need this for the sake of pikuach nefesh? Or do we say, you know, once a month giving her husband a kiss is good enough? Or, or once a year is good enough to get her through this terrible time? Says the Chazam Sofer, who can live like that? Who can have a marriage like that? Where every time the husband and wife are going to want to live in their house together, we're going to have to make a new Moshev Bezdem. We're going to have to sit down and determine, oh, let's get the therapist back in the room. Let's get the doctor back. Let's figure out whether this is really necessary, not necessary. Could we really work that way? And he writes, I'll call Be'ilo Be'ila. The underlying heter here is only pikuach nefashos. Can you really tell me with certainty that every time the husband and wife are going to be with each other, it's actually pikuach nefashos? Hard to say such a thing. Therefore, says the Chassam Sofer, it's not so pasha that I would allow this. And in the end, he comes to the conclusion that he really is uncomfortable with allowing it. So there's a very interesting shaila in the Sefer Malami Lahal. The Sefer Malami Lahal is a tshuva sefer, an important tshuva sefer by Reb David Svi Hoffman. So he has the following shayla. He writes, There was a nar she'aviv tziva alav le'ishtate b'shir ksiva b'beit sefer 
There was a university in Europe, and the parents were insisting that their child has to go to university. So the child went. The problem was some of the classes were on Shabbos. The child says, I'm not going to class on Shabbos. It's Shabbos. So the parents said, absolutely, you have to go to class on Shabbos, and you have to take notes, and you have to be a good, conscientious student, just like everybody else, and there's nothing to talk about. You need to do it. Now, the child knew that this was going to involve Chilo Shabbos. First of all, he has to take the subway, the train to get there. Then he's going to have to take his notes. He's going to come home. His parents are going to ask him where the notes are. He doesn't know what to do. So he turns to the Malam of the Hoyle. The problem was, the mother says, if you don't go and you don't listen to us, I tell you now, I'm going to take my own life. I'm so nervous if you don't get the education. We finally got you into university. You have an opportunity to get a job someday. If you don't get an education and you fail out of the course, I'm going to take my own life. So, oh, now all of a sudden it becomes a suffix with nefashas. Come on, but is that reasonable? We're going to say that you're threatening to take your own life because your son is not going to university and taking notes on Shabbos? What, what does that mean? Does that really play a role? So if a parent uses that card and threatens their child, I want you to do this because if not, I'm going to take my own life. How seriously do we take such a thing? So that's a shayla that the Malami the Hoyle discusses. And one of the points that he brings is a Gemara Mesechus Ksubas. We're going to end in two minutes. So the Gemara Ksubas writes in Samach Zayinam Beis. What if a person has Yeishlov and Erotzelis Parnes Elemenat Staka? We have rules and regulations of how we give out Staka. So the Gemara wants to know what happens if somebody has money, but they don't want to use their own money. They want to put it in savings, and they want to now take from Staka. So you say, you're Meshugana. What do you mean? You have money. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you Staka. We're not giving you a handout. So the Gemara wants to know... The bottom line is the guy's children are starving. He doesn't want to take out of his savings. So is it right to the tzedakah that we should give you money? It's not really right. So the Gemara says we should give you as a matana. And after he dies, we're going to go down after his estate and we're going to go demand that his family give back money for all that money that we gave him that really we shouldn't have. That's the first opinion in the Gemara. Divir Abmeir. If somebody has money, he has the ability and chooses not to use the money that he has or he has the ability to go get a job and he decides he doesn't want to, we're not to take care of you. We don't pay attention. Ah, your children are starving. It's your problem. We feel very sorry for them, but go get a job. Go take care of them. Go take out of your savings. You have money. Why should the community be taxed? Because you decided you don't want to spend your own money. The Chachamim are of the opinion we don't have to take care of someone who's making a choice to be in the terrible situation that they're in. If Nebuch, the person, lost a job, can't find a job, can't support themselves, doesn't know what to do, it's different. But in this situation where you're fully capable and you have no reason not to, we would say that we have no uh, reason to feel sorry for you. We, I mean, we do feel sorry, but that doesn't translate into us giving money. How do we paskin? The Ramam writes in Ilchaz Matnas Aniyim, we paskin like the Chachamim. What does that mean? That if a person chooses to put themselves in a situation... Even if it means you're putting yourself in a situation where your children or yourself might be at risk, we paskin like the Chachamim, that you cannot put yourself on the community and say, you now have an obligation to take care of my problem when I'm choosing to create the problem. The Minchas has a suffix, similar but a little bit different. Minchas has a suffix, what happens when a person decides he wants to be Ma'abed Atzmaladas. So the Gemara says, I have to save somebody's life. We know that if somebody is, uh, is, is doing something dangerous, I have to take care of them. But what if I'm choosing to do something dangerous? What if I'm choosing to do something dangerous? So now a mental health professional would say, well, that means you're not really making a choice with a full, with, with a full state of mind. But let's say the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, the Gemara says, why do I have to save someone's life? It's like Hashavah Saveda. 
Just like if you lost your wallet, I should give it back to you. Hashavas gufa min kavachamer. Of course, if somebody's going to lose their life, of course I have to give it back to you if I have the ability to. But the problem is by hashavas aveda. If I decide to take my wallet and throw it into the ocean, there's no din hashavas aveda. I decided that's not an aveda. You decided to destroy it. So if I decide to destroy my own life, the minchaschinoch has a safek. Are we mechuyev to save somebody who decided to destroy their own life? So the same thing over here. Similar. The Chachamim are of the opinion that if someone decides not to be mefarnish their family, and it's a choice that they have made, you cannot tax the community to take care of you. So therefore, it says the Malami Lahoyel, if this mother made a decision on her own, I'm going to take my own life if my son doesn't go to university on Shabbos and take notes. That's her problem. She has every right to change her mind. Are we mechiv to make decisions for ourselves? Do we have to be mechal Shabbos because you're threatening to do something ridiculous? Is that really something that we have to worry about? Well, in the end of the day, the result may be pikuach nefesh, but that's something that it was a pikuach nefesh that was avoidable. So it's a very, very interesting sugya. A lot more to talk about, a lot more to think about. But the Chassam Sofer here has this very fascinating tshuva where he says not every time that a person claims that it's going to be pikuach nefesh is that something that's going to allow everything to be done as a result of their claim. Okay, Ritz Hashem, they should never be Lamaisa. Yeah.